0: gospel lesson this week is Ephesians chapter 5 verse 22 through 33 wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord for the husband is the head of the wife even as Christ is the head of the church his body as is himself its savior now as the church submits to Christ so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands husbands love your wives today's sermon is called perfect submission um, and i'm reading this for pastor today may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you O god my rock and my redeemer amen grace to you and peace from god our father and the lord jesus christ amen bill had not been feeling too well lately so he made an appointment with his physician on the appointed day he and his wife drove to the clinic Later that afternoon, after a battery of tests and examinations, their doctor said, Bill, I'd like to talk with your wife while you get dressed. We will wait for you in my study. His wife sat in a comfortable chair while the doctor explained, Mary, your husband has a rare and potentially terminal disease. He is suffering from a nervous stress-related disorder. You will need to create a totally stress-free environment for your husband. Mary, I know you have a career, but you must quit your job and become a stay-at-home wife. You'll have to get up a half an hour early each morning, shower, and put on a fresh dress, fix your hair and makeup, prepare a nutritious breakfast for your husband with emphasis on fresh fruits and whole grains, and send your husband off to work with a big hug and a kiss. As soon as he leaves the house, put on your work clothes and clean and scrub the house from top to bottom. Remove any possible allergic or pathogenic source of stress. About an hour before lunch, shower and get ready for your husband to come home for lunch. Prepare him a light, high protein lunch with emphasis on fresh fruit and salad. Send him off to work with another kiss and spend your afternoon thoroughly preparing your house for his homecoming in the afternoon. Meet him at the door freshly showered and dressed. Give him a big kiss and lead him to his favorite chair. Give him a refreshing drink, the newspaper and the TV remote. Tell him to relax while you finish preparing his meal. Make sure his dinner includes all of his favorite dishes. After dinner, encourage him to relax while you tidy up the kitchen. Lay out his pajamas and draw him a bath. Be attentive to his every need during the evening. And of course, be just as romantic as you possibly can. On the ride home, Bill asked, what did the doctor tell you? Mary was quiet for a moment. Then she said, he said, you're going to die. This antidote reflects the two frequent feelings regarding today's epistle text. This brief portion of Ephesians 5 may well be the most misunderstood passage in all scripture. One reason for this misunderstanding is that people assume it says women are to obey their husbands. Not here nor anywhere in the scripture is it written that women are to obey their husbands. Children are to obey their parents, slaves are to obey their master, but not once does Paul ask wives to obey their husbands another reason for this misunderstanding is the anglican church used the new king james bible in 1611 to push for obedience of women the king james version is wives submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the lord rather than submit the original greek hupotassomai probably means to deploy yourself in support of your spouse against the enemy So a better translation of verse 22 might be something like one of these wives support your husbands wives defend your husbands even wives go to battle for your husbands. A third reason for this misunderstanding is that the text passage is tied to the previous but omitted verse submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is the overall message of the passage mutual submission to one another in Christ Jesus. So let's dig a little deeper into our text. Regarding wives, submission implies respectful and complimentary words, building up your husband, encouraging and motivating him to be the best husband he can be and expecting him to be the leader he is supposed to be. I imagine some women are thinking like that's gonna work. At UCLA, they did a study. They told teachers at a test school that they could predict who from the B and C students would become A students. Then they told the teachers the truth. The test was bogus and the names of the students were picked randomly from all the B and C students. Then they told, "Oh, sorry. The only difference was the teacher's expectations because of the test. They expected the students to do better and almost 90% did move up one and two grades. Wives, when you submit, you're expecting your husband to lead. By initiating submission, you're expecting him to act godly. You are also giving him what he desires most, significance. The next verse is, For the husband is the head of the wife, just as Christ is the head of the church, the body of which he is the Savior. This goes back to Genesis 2. For this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Many people read the word heed and interpret it as leader or authority. But head does not mean authority in ancient Greek. Paul's real implication of using the head-body metaphor is of unity. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her Husbands should love their wives as they do their own bodies. In the Greco Roman world, husbands had all authority and power over wives, but Paul did not want the more powerful to exploit abuse or harass those with less power. We see this point come up again in chapter six, when Paul addresses parents and slave owners. Martin Luther writes, you are not to use the authority you possess just as you please. You are her husband in order to help support and protect her, not to destroy her. The husband should not consider his wife a rag on which to wipe his feet. And indeed she was not created from a foot, but from a rib in the center of a man's body. So that the man is to regard her not otherwise than his own body and flesh. A husband who truly loves his wife as his own body treats her as his equal. And a wife should respect her husband because she is submitting not to male dominance but to the loving caring of her husband who loves her with the love Christ showed the church. Do you recall where Adam was when Eve first sinned? He was standing right beside her. He heard the false teaching of the evil one. He followed Eve though he knew she spoke a false gospel. He did not speak the truth. He did not protect Eve nor condemn the serpent. When God's accusations came, Adam blamed God and Eve, the woman whom you gave to me. This is not how Christ treats his bride, the church. The church has reinterpreted scripture to suit itself and practiced exclusivity, even persecution in the name of Christ. And still, Christ loved the church. He sanctified her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might represent the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. Adam failed as a husband, but Christ is the new Adam who loves his church even in her sins and gives himself up for her. As followers of Jesus, both husbands and wives should be building unity, nurture, love and respect in their marriages. One day, Jesus is going to present himself a sanctified and spotless church. In the meantime, let our relationships show that we are people who are being sanctified and purified by our Lord. I close with the doxology from the book of Jude. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. So putting others first. Who can tell me what number this is? How about this? I is not just a letter, but a word. When we write it out, it's always a capital, big and important. When you wake up in the morning, do you think I'm sleepy or I'm hungry? I think this is because all humans were made to automatically or instinctively think first about ourselves. And that is why I is big. It's even called a first person pronoun. That's how we're made. That's how our brain works. That's how we think. And since God created us, that's okay. But the Bible tells us we are to be servants, to submit to others, to think about others first. That's not how we think. That's not how our brain works. That's hard. Who knows who knows what word this is? It's called a second person pronoun. It's the same if I mean one other person or a bunch of other people. It's harder to write. It's more than one letter. It's not I. It's not about me. God knows it's hard for us. And that's why he said Jesus to be an example of how we should be. Jesus told us the most important lesson is to put God first and to think about other people as often as we think about ourselves let us pray. God, you created us. You know that we think first of ourselves, yet you do not get angry when we forget you and others. You love us still. You sent Jesus to be our example. Strengthen us, God, to be better people, to think of others and not just ourselves. Amen.